Hi, thanks for listening to Food We Need to Talk. And thanks also to our sponsor, Third Love. Third Love is, of course, known for their comfy bras, but it doesn't stop there. Not only can they fit bras to your individual body type, they also have a wide range of matching underwear and organic cotton lounge sets that you might also like. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off their first order. Go to thirdlove.com food now to find your perfect fitting bra. That's thirdlove.com food for 15% off your first purchase. Support for Food We Need to Talk comes from Noom. Noom is the habit change program that uses psychology to teach you how your mind works so that you understand why you make the decisions you make and empowers you with the tools to break the bad habits and replace them with better ones. Visit noom.com food. That's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash food. Produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Hey, sugar fans. Happy New Year. Making resolutions? You are not alone. And if those resolutions have anything to do with food choices, well, then you should listen to the brand new podcast from WBUR, Food We Need to Talk. Join one woman on her quest to end her war with food. It's filled with solid science, medical knowledge, and common sense to teach us how to eat better and feel better about it. Here's the first episode of Food We Need to Talk. And if you like what you hear, subscribe on your podcast app. Okay, enjoy. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you've probably had the goal before of trying to lose weight or go on a diet. Gosh. Uh, yeah. Multiple years. Yes, multiple years. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Uh, I did one. When I was growing up, everybody I knew was on a diet. Girls smaller than me, girls bigger than me. They were all like, oh my God, I'm getting so fat. Oh my God, please tell me my thighs don't look that bad. Even more importantly than that, though, all adult women in my life were also trying to lose weight. So when we would go out to lunch or go out to coffee with teachers, with my family, friends, it's like everybody was getting a salad, please. Um, and I would like the dressing on the side. They were getting coffee. Can I get a tall skinny mocha with like no whip? <laughs> <laughs> and eating rice cakes. And I was always like, how can people like rice cakes better than chips? But whatever. No one was losing weight. As soon as I got to college and I didn't have the vulturous eyes of my parents watching over me, I was free to do whatever I want. And what that meant to me was extremely restrictive dieting. So basically, I spent my freshman year eating all salads, no dressing, no croutons, you know, going to the gym like twice a day, just living the hashtag rabbit life 24-7. And for the first time in my life, I gained 15 pounds food we need to talk. That's the name of this podcast from WBUR. I'm Yuna Jada. And I'm Dr. Eddie Phillips. In another WBUR podcast called The Magic Pill, we focus on moving exercise from a chore to a gift, from something that you have to do to something that you really look forward to doing. What if we did the same thing with food? What if we talk about food as something that you really enjoy, that you look forward to enjoying? Eddie, that sounds like a bit of a foreign concept. Well, we're going to deal with a lot of different pieces of this, everything from the psychology of food to exactly what you need to eat and what a healthy weight might be. And in the end, we're going to look forward to moving into what you might call a weightless state. Elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Um, my name is Yuna. 
me and my family came here from Albania when I was five. I didn't speak any English. I worked hard and graduated college last year. From? From Harvard. Eddie, you're embarrassing me! And my major was cognitive neuroscience and evolutionary psychology. Whoa. And my secondary was in music because I wanted to be a concert pianist. How'd, how'd the concert piano work out? Uh, I mean, I did get to play at Carnegie Hall. Wait, wait, wait. So I get to ask the age-old question. Yeah. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? With practice and a lot of it. So but practice, practice, <laughs> practice. So you made it. I, I made it for like a hot second, but whatever. Even after all that time with scales and arpeggios, Eddie, and all that memorizing of the dorsolateral prefrontal junction of the parietal blah, 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 to this day, the hardest thing I've ever had to do has been dealing with issues around food, body image, et cetera, And, and et the self-image thing, I think, is critical. So how, how do you describe yourself then? I don't know. I don't describe... I always think I'm so overweight. And then when I talk to Hannah, my best friend, like, she's always like, I don't think anyone's ever thought to themselves, wow, Eunice fat. But I've thought that to myself every day of my life, uh-huh. every time I see myself in the mirror. I want to be 20% body fat. But I think for a lot of people, that would be an extremely low body fat percentage. But that's what you're looking for. That's what I want. So what I'm hearing is that you've got a disciplined muscle bigger than everyone else on the planet. You practiced enough to get to Carnegie Hall. For real? You're smart enough to get through Harvard with uh, cognitive neuroscience, yada, yada. And I have to add, if you don't mind, that you did all of this with a serious visual impairment. Yeah, I'm actually legally blind, which basically means everything is really, really, really blurry. Well, from what I can see, you overcame all of these challenges with flying colors, and yet food is your nemesis. It is the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. So intellect and discipline is maybe not the full answer here. <laughs> Clearly it's not. Like, I, I have still not figured it out. So, you know. I'm going to do my best to help you figure out if it's not discipline and it's not just knowing what to eat, what is going to get you to a happier place with food. Okay, Eddie, I'm super glad about that because, I mean, you do have some street cred. You are an assistant professor at Harvard Med and you're the founder of the Institute of Lifestyle Medicine and you practice at the VA Boston. So, I mean, I guess you may have some knowledge about this stuff, right? Well, this is where I say that, first off, I'm not an eating disorder specialist. So if you think that you have an eating disorder or someone that you know has one, maybe press stop right now and call your doctor. But you know, most Americans are struggling with their weight. The standard American diet, which we call SAD, is leading to hundreds of thousands of premature deaths a year. I've heard these questions you're bringing up from thousands of patients over the years and all the people that we've trained, all of their experiences. What you're coming to the table with is universal. I mean, I can totally see that. Recently, I took a trip down to a department where I spent a considerable amount of time as an undergrad. Hello? Hey, Una. Hi, Kate. And I just went through the building asking people some questions. So amongst the people you know, how many would you say are on a diet? A serious diet, maybe two. 25, 30% of women. At least 75%. 99%? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, doesn't it seem like there's a new diet literally every week? It's like, what's in vogue? Is it vegan? Is it keto? Low carb? High carb? Low fat? High fat? Atkinson and... Um... <laughs> oh, is it Atkins? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> South Beach, North Beach, West Beach, Southeast Beach, probably. Who knows? Gosh, there was one. What was it that you had... Grapefruit in the morning and toast. I did a 30-day dietary reset. Um, you would just eat one particular thing each day. Like one day, my friend and I were at a staff meeting eating a huge chicken. <laughs> and we were grossing everybody out. And then we just ate wow. lamb one day. Did it do anything? I don't remember. Probably not. If there were an actual miracle diet out there, we'd have heard about it by now. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of the point of all this. If there were a miracle diet, why do none of us know what it is? I thought I would ask Dr. James Hill. I don't know what his title is. You want the new title? Sure. Uh, chairman of the Department of Nutrition. Okay. And director of the Nutrition Obesity Research Center at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Okay, Dr. James Hill. I see surveys that over half the population is trying to lose weight. I, I don't know that there are good data there, but my guess is there are, are rare middle-aged women that aren't concerned about weight. But do we know what percentage of diets actually work? Yeah, we actually published a paper a few years ago, and what we found is if you define success as maintaining at least a 10% weight loss, which we know improves health, about 20% of the people trying to diet were achieving that. I think we can conclude that a lot of people are successful to get the weight off and very few people are successful at keeping that weight off over the long term. So if diets really don't work, why do people still go on them? Why are they so tempting? A food-restricted diet works extremely well to get the weight off. It works extremely poorly to keep the weight off. And I think we have decades of research showing that. Diets work in the short term. They fail in the long term. Okay, great. We can just tell everybody and problem solved, right? Well, not so fast. It turns out that everybody I talked to knew the buzzword of lifestyle change. That's what everybody kept saying, like, oh, yeah, diets don't work. You have to make a lifestyle change. Diet should be viewed as you know, it's a lifestyle change. Ones who lose the weight basically are changing their whole lifestyle. You know, like, like actual lifestyle change, like the people who have lost a significant amount of weight and then kept it off. Wow, the media has done a fantastic job of drilling into our skulls the words lifestyle change. Like, what is lifestyle change, first of all? But, like, second of all, why is it so hard to implement? Mm, sounds to me like we could use a little help. I thought I would ask Eddie. Yes. <laughs> yes, Yuna. Okay. I'll give you the kind of the big answer first, and then maybe we'll make it real personal real okay. quickly. Sounds good. Most of the diseases that are out there are the result of lifestyle choices that we make. So what you eat and how much you eat okay. and how active you are and whether you get sleep, whether you smoke, those things are responsible for like 80% of the diseases. Whoa. They're responsible for most of us dying prematurely. And it's also responsible for most of the money that could be saved because all of these diseases like diabetes and high blood pressure and all this are largely preventable. Or you could treat them by changing your diet or your exercise or your sleep or not smoking. So what's actually kind of cool is if you go to a survey of nurses and you ask them, I mean, they know. 
you shouldn't smoke, you should not eat too much, you should sleep enough, you should get some sure. exercise. What percent do you think actually do those behaviors? Mm, like 60%? Um, how about like 3 or 4%? But I, I, I really appreciate your youthful that's optimism. No <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's so not we good. So we all have something to work on. So let's start there. Why is food such an issue? Because we all kind of know, like, in general, yeah, blah, 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 you should eat vegetables, blah, 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 lean meat, blah, 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 blah. What's the deal with food? There's so many choices that I think we're trying to make sense of them. You go to the supermarket and there's, what, thousands of things that you could buy and how do you decide which brand and what you're going to cook or not cook? So I'm overwhelmed and I'm the one that's supposed to be giving advice. <laughs> Eddie, if you're overwhelmed, what is the hope for the rest of us, please? Oh, there's, there's, there's plenty of hope. I think we just have to kind of figure out and maybe start at like a more basic level. Okay. Which is... I can do basic. Uh, okay. So, you know, rather than kind of focusing right on the action right away, like I got to diet, I got to lose weight... Mm-hmm. I'll ask you the question that I'm asking my patients now. So when I first went to medical school, I only went there once, but I, when I went there, I learned to ask that question like, what's the matter with you? You know, what, why are you here today? Now I'm going to ask you this question. What matters to you? Oh, wow. Honestly, what has mattered to me for the past five years has literally been being a size four. That was the driving factor of all the, quote, lifestyle changes I made. Is there anything that matters more to you or a little deeper than that? Yes. I wanted to feel happy in my body, like in my life, I guess. And would you rather be happy or a size four or maybe both? I'd probably be, <laughs> I, you know, if I had to choose, I'd rather be both. But I guess if I were happy, then I'd probably be okay either way. So happiness is good. You know, especially as people get older, often they say, I really, I just want my health. If I have my health, then I've got a thousand wishes. Of course, And yeah. if I don't have my health, I got one wish. <laughs> so what matters to you is, say it again. Being happy and healthy. Okay. And what does healthy mean to you? It means it's like kind of effortless. Like I want to feel good about what I'm eating, how I'm moving and going about my tasks. Like I don't have to fight my own body on things. So you want to be free. Right. That's kind of cool. I guess that is kind of cool. I never thought about it that way. What would you do to get there? I mean, I've already done, like, the worst of all, which is keto, so probably anything. <laughs> <laughs> what if the next thing you did was something that actually supported what you said? I would totally do that. Uh-huh. And what if that meant kind of enjoying your food? Whoa, stop right there. <laughs> enjoying food? <laughs> what kind of crazy idea is that? <laughs> I mean, what if we got past, like, the guilt that we're hearing about? Dude, I would be down because, let me tell you, I was starving. Did you enjoy starving? I, I'm not very fond of it, you know? But as they say, you're doomed if you diet, doomed if you don't. As in, you know, if I am not dieting, like, I'm literally going to gain 20 pounds on gingerbread lattes and, like, peppermint mochas. And if I do diet, then I'm just, like, watching everybody else drink their peppermint mochas and, like, I want one too. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) You know... (laughs) You just put a lot on the table. I know, right? Maybe this is the perfect time for a brief message to our listeners. Kind of like a palate cleanser? Exactly. There is nothing worse than a misfitting bra. You feel self-conscious all day long, you think everybody can see it, and your clothes just don't look as good. 
Third Love uses measurements of millions of women to design bras for all-day comfort and support. Plus, they have over 80 sizes. So basically, the way it works is you go on the website and you take this 60-second quiz and you answer questions about yourself, so that's always fun, and then you get to find the bra that will fit you the best. Plus, you have 60 days to wear and wash your bra, and if you don't love it, you can return it, and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Returns and exchanges are free and easy. Third Love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone, and that includes you. So right now, they are offering our listeners 15% off their first purchase. Just go to thirdlove.com food to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off. That's thirdlove.com food. Support for Food We Need to Talk comes from Noom. It's that time again, time to reflect on the year you've had and focus on your goals for the new year. With Noom, you pick the goals that are right for you. Whether it's feeling better in your clothes, <clears throat> wonder who that's for, having more stamina, being more in tune with your body's needs, or practicing more self-care, something we could all use. Noom personalizes the program that helps your aspirations become reality, which is what we all want, which is why I will be signing up. Visit Noom.com slash food. What do you have to lose? Except your pant size. Visit Noom.com slash food. That's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash food. Okay, I'm back at the table. So, Eddie, could you just give me like a little taste of what a real lifestyle change would look like for people? I think the first thing you know... It's not just about bullying your way through, and it's not just about discipline. Ah, she. Because, well, we, our discipline just kind of runs out. But the people that actually know why they want to make a change, they're like a ship, and they're just redirecting their course. You change your course by two degrees, and through the months, through the years, you're going to be in a different place. In other words, like the changes that you're going to make are the ones that you're comfortable with sticking with for the rest of your life. And then maybe it's not a diet anymore. Maybe it's just the way you eat. Wow. Okay, see, that is a little bit mind-blowing because let me tell you, there is no way that I could be eating the way I am on a diet for the rest of my life. That's why it's going to fail. Right. Here is one of my all-time favorite fitness podcasters, Sal Stefano of the podcast Mind Pump. Mind Pump with your hosts, Sal Stefano. You and I, yes. I don't know. I was about to ask you, how do I say your name? I have never been so excited in my whole entire life. <laughs> <laughs> After freaking out for 2.5 hours that he agreed to an interview, I asked him, what separates your successful clients from your non-successful clients? Clients that come in that have the, I want to get in shape tomorrow mentality, and I want the most strict diet, just tell me what to eat, tell me what to do. Those people never last. The people who come in who say, uh, my diet's not great, but I want to work on it, but I want to take my time. I want to learn. They're okay with the fact that the scale isn't moving yet. When I hear talk like that, I know I'm going to be working with someone who understands that they're in it for the long haul. They're cool with it. I mean, it really makes sense that it would take a long time, as Sal says, because lifestyle change, like a real substantial change for the rest of your life is super difficult. Let's say you have the same boyfriend or girlfriend for 15 years. You know, change that. That's a very difficult thing to do. Um, maybe you, you, you like to sleep a particular way. Change that, and fundamentally, that's a difficult thing to do. 
how we eat is such an integral part of who we are that to change that fundamentally, it's going to be very difficult and it takes a lot of time. And people don't understand that fully. If they really appreciated it, understood it that way, they would take a much slower approach. Oh, see, I always had this mentality of like, I'm going to do this for 10 weeks. Like I'm always like 10 weeks away, yeah, 10 yeah. weeks away. And you always will be. And it's the 10 like, weeks keep moving up. It's like, like when you're stuck in traffic and you're still 20 minutes away from here. Oh, good grief. From where you want like, to be. I'm done being 10 weeks away. It's, it's no fun. But you know, what if we took the next 10 weeks together to unpack all of these things you brought to the table. That sounds like something that'll probably take us at least 10 episodes, right, Eddie? That sounds just about right. So maybe <laughs> this is kind of the last 10-week period that you're going to need. Oh and, you know, maybe over the course of that, we'll have you sort of dig into actual nutrition. We're going to probably go back and talk about exercise. Right, I, I got my the right, favorite. I got the right person here to talk about psychology. Do-do, neuroscience. I think guilt's going to pop its ugly head up in here. I mean, it's only where I spend 99% of my time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sounds like a great plan. And Eddie, also like, I don't want to make things awkward, but (laughs) I I, I can do awkward well. Okay. You're doing great so far. No, just kidding. I was just going to say that it hasn't really escaped my notice that most of the people that I've played the tape of, like the the regular peeps out there have been women, whereas the experts I've been citing have been male. And that is something I definitely want to talk about with you. I don't have any easy answers on this, and I'm really looking forward to digging into it a little bit with you. Well, I am looking forward to it, and hopefully I'll be able to have a peppermint mocha this season, maybe. I think you're going to have one and you're going to enjoy it. Woohoo! We want to say thank you so much to our guests, James Hill and Sal Stefano. And if you want to learn more about this podcast and the stuff we're talking about, go to our website, wbur.org slash food talk. In the next episode of Food We Need to Talk, we're taking a deep dive into the fallacy that some foods are good and some foods are bad. We are completely obsessed over these labels that we're putting on food, but our body is just not confused at all. It will use whatever you put into it, which is, I think, a a big disconnect. We want to connect with you. So if you haven't already, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Food We Need to Talk. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review. Food We Need to Talk is a production of WBUR. Our amazing editor and producer is George Hicks. Our executive producer is the inimitable Carrie Goldberg. I'm Yuna Jada. And I'm Dr. Eddie Phillips. See you next time. Eddie, you know I don't see that well.